the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. one 800 913 this is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Saturday, friends. Good morning. Welcome to the weekend on the Blaze Radio Network. Let's take attendance. Raise your hand if you're here. Yes, I see you over there. I see you. You guys in California just coming home from a night of partying. Good for you and shame on you at the same time. I'm, I'm envious, I'm jealous, and I'm also wondering when you're going to sleep. But welcome to the weekend on the Blaze Radio Network. The world is awake. Yeah. The world is pretty much awake. I'm following all the, all the stuff going on with the president's big trip. Huge trip. It might be the best presidential trip ever. The president landed in Riyadh was welcomed by the Saudi king. I want you to take note of that. The president, the guy the media railed against, just just landed in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and they had a red carpet for him. And the 81-year-old king, the king was there. He used a cane and came out, and he shook the president's hand. There was no bowing. Write that down. There was no bowing like a previous guy might have done. Oh, oh yeah. And when Obama showed up in Saudi Arabia, the king wasn't there. I think he sent like the deputy assistant to the assistant of the guy who was in charge of laundry. So President Trump gets really a royal welcome. There are billboards all over the place in Riyadh, together we prevail with Trump and the king scene. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And now the meetings are getting ready to happen. There'll be a big state dinner tonight. A few other things to notice. By the way, uh, we're up and rolling. The phones are up. 888 If you want to weigh in on anything today, I have a veritable buffet of good, bad, ugly, and stupid to share with you. And I have some questions to ask. But the president, as I said, is there. He's tweeting this morning. It's not morning where President Trump is right now. As a matter of fact, it's, it's after 12 in the afternoon. It's, it's in the afternoon, and uh, he took a little bit of a break 
to take a, a nap. You know, he did fly halfway around the world. And now um, he's going to have some meetings, bilateral talks, they are called, where the president will sit down with the Saudi royal family, the ruling family, and uh, discuss whatever deals they've got. Because we already know there's a $109 billion sale of, um, of some military equipment that should be helping American business, shouldn't it? $109 billion of industry added to our GDP. And we'll find out uh, what's going on. There'll be another speech tomorrow to some, some other uh, Saudis. And I think some other leaders from the Arab world will be attending. But this is, this is the first leg of this trip. The president does not get to Israel until Monday. So today and tomorrow, pretty much Middle East... And as the president said, great to be in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, looking forward to the afternoon and the evening ahead. And he's got his own hashtag, POTUS Abroad, which I think is kind of cool. POTUS Abroad, got a POTUS Abroad hashtag. Uh, he tweeted that less than a half hour ago, and it's already got 3,000 retweets and almost 5,000 uh, likes. So let's keep you up to date on everything the president is doing while he's overseas. I'm going to keep following the POTUS Abroad hashtag. A couple of interesting elements about the president's trip, especially on the arrival. President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump exited Air Force One together. And uh, a lot of people noticed immediately no headscarf for Melania Trump. And you see, I think this is actually a great sign. No headscarf. The Trump family being the Trump family. And when they descended the stairs and the king met with the president and shook his hand, no bowing. Remember, no bowing. Uh, he also reached over and shook hands with the first lady. I don't know if you realize just how huge that is. That is, as the president would say, huge. This, this, cannot, be, um, this cannot be noted enough in, in my mind. That, that the Saudi Arabian government, and I realize Saudi Arabia finally, finally realized that, uh, that we... America are becoming a stronger energy power with our, our shale and our fracking and our development of, of gas and oil again. They're realizing that America is going to challenge them. And I think they also realize their future is not just the gooey dinosaur juice that's underneath their sand. So perhaps this, um, this king, even though he's not a young man, this king is a little bit smarter than some previous leaders. But there's, there's much to discuss. Much to discuss. Um, I'm wondering if they hold a press event, if any of the press will, will attempt to squeeze in a question about this latest story that's popped up. You know what I'm talking about, the nut job comment. The nutjob comment that the New York Times is reporting, again, another, sources tell us the president called 
Jim Comey a nut job when he said he fired him. Well, I was actually scanning news this morning and saw uh, CNN attempting to try and make hay out of this. And one of their experts actually said, well, you know, nutjob is a term President Trump uses all the time. It's, it's like his go-to insult. And I thought, good for you, sir. Don't be upset initially. Don't just be uh, disturbed by the use of the word nutjob. Recognizing that Donald Trump has a, a host of insults that he tosses around. And calling him a nutjob, while not the most uh, gracious or artful way of referencing the FBI director, if he in fact did say it, because then again, we don't know, because sources, sources, we will, we will continue with this. Uh, the good news, Comey will be uh, testifying, as we mentioned last week, Comey is going to testify, he wants an open hearing. Comey wants to get out there in front of everybody and speak his truth. And I want to hear it, frankly. I absolutely want to hear it. So uh, I cannot wait to hear what, what Jim Comey has to say. We will... I guess it's Wednesday. Wednesday that's coming up. Yeah. And this will be in the midst of this trip. I asked yesterday, uh, Joe Gomez from NBC News and I were talking on the phone. And he covers all this stuff. And I said, you've got the itinerary. The, the entire itinerary is hanging out there. Uh, when is President Trump going to be able to play a round of golf on this trip? And I thought, I thought surely somewhere, somewhere they would, uh, they would play golf or find a way to play golf somewhere with the G7, some of the leaders from the G7 or somewhere in Italy. But no, no, it looks like the greatest chance to play golf is in Saudi Arabia, a place where all I think of is sand. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know if the president's going to be able to squeeze in a round of golf. You know, he does love his golf, uh, as did Obama. And a lot of people uh, get upset about the president playing golf. And the ones who get upset are the ones I would think would be, would be happier if the president wasn't in the Oval Office or able to sign executive orders. You'd think they would be happier as I was when Obama played golf because it meant he wasn't able to screw with the government or the Constitution. So all the Obama haters used to say, why is he playing so much golf? And I said, let him play golf. Let him go kite surfing. Let him do all that. And now the Trump haters, when they flip out over Trump playing golf, I say, calm down. Sit down and calm down. He's He's not doing what you hate right now. Anyway, we will, we will follow this. Uh, the, the $109 billion arms deal that we talked about since uh, early yesterday, because it, it kind of broke on MSNBC late Thursday night, when Brian Williams, one of his guests, uh, told them that there was a $109 billion arms deal negotiated with Saudi Arabia. Now the New York Times is reporting that Jared Kushner, Kushner the son-in-law, the golden child, personally negotiated the deal. And uh, my question is, so what? So what? What if? Isn't he an advisor to the president? Isn't the son-in-law one of the people, like, like the daughter, advising the president? 
if that deal is a good deal, well, what's wrong with it? I know, you're going to say, well, he's not, it's not official. It, it, it smacks of, well, let's find out if he has a financial interest. Before we all start stomping around and, and setting our hair on fire, let's find out. Calm down, people. That's today's phrase, calm down. That's the phrase that pays. Now, coming up on the program today, I mentioned we'll, we'll give you updates. If there's anything happening with the president's trip overseas, there's a, a few more little nuggets out of the Anthony Weiner story that I need to share with you. There is um, there's a question about the Times Square car wreck. And I want to get into that, but I need some time. There is good news today. I want to share some good news today with you. Also, we have to point some fingers. I have to wag a finger. More than once, actually. And, and we will get to that. Uh, there's a freedom update. A court ruling yesterday was uh, squashing uh, some more governmental overreach. And I think I'm, I'm mixed on it. Part of me likes the idea of, of the freedom being allowed to be free. And then there's a part of me that wonders if there's a reasonable level of government interference on this topic. And I'm being very vague for a reason. But we'll discuss that. And um, how long has it been since I really had some fun with Chris Matthews and all the dumb things he said? Yeah, it's been too long, hasn't it? So let's have some fun with Chris Matthews. Let's, uh, let's take a look at the results of the vital question from yesterday. If you didn't answer it, you still have, I think, a couple more minutes left to do it. The question yesterday was, is it ever okay to text in a movie theater during the feature film? Is it ever okay to text in a movie theater during a feature film? And then we'll discuss the results of the survey, and we will then... Look at today's vital question of the day. Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka on a Saturday on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Two thousand seventeen is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Looking over the 
pool feed from Riyadh. That's the the clip feed from the president's trip. Because they don't they don't send like a huge swarm of media, not a scrum of media, but they send a crew that everybody gets pretty much the same feeds and they can pick. We're also seeing uh, footage from previous visits from previous presidents. And uh, Michelle Obama did not wear a headscarf, so that's a good thing. And uh, Melania Trump did not wear a headscarf, as I mentioned earlier. That's a good thing. But this is the royal treatment being given to the president. The red carpet was rolled out. They're going to actually carry the royal arrival ceremony soon on most of the networks. I don't know if you care to watch it. It's probably going to be long and boring. But if anything weird happens, we'll tell you. I'm always amazed at how much equipment travels with the president. And as it should, we know that the beast goes there, the, the limousine that takes the president around. It's pretty much a tank body over it. And the, the plane that follows Air Force One with all of the Secret Service agents and all of the additional security equipment is there. And I assume that there are other assets. There also is a team, a medical team, that travels with the president whenever he is outside of the country. And obviously, the the reasons are are very easy to understand, that God forbid anything were to happen to a president while in another country, you want the best physicians in the world to work on him, which obviously are American-trained American doctors. I know this because I happen to have a brother who is a remarkable doctor. And he traveled with that medical team at one time. And sometimes when the president was bouncing around uh, Europe, they would never leave the plane. The team would sit, if it was just going to be a, a few hours here or a few hours there, they would stay on the plane and just hang out and play cards or whatever. Whatever doctors do when they're not doctoring. But I just think this is uh, something I'd like to see the entire asset pool of what we send when a president goes away, especially for a trip this long. You know, he's he's on the road for a week and visiting a, a number of different countries, which which presents a number of different both security and just basic comfort options. Uh, I was reading about where the president will be staying in Israel. And the room that he's going to be staying in is reported to be a $5,700 a night suite. Yeah, okay. Probably one of the more expensive suites you'll have, but it's also bulletproof, bombproof, and apparently has its own air filtration system to protect it from poison gas. So would you ever, if you're ever making a restaurant or a reservation for your trip, you're on Trivago or whatever vacation site you're looking on and you're looking, all right, let's get, uh, I'd like, I'd like to fly first class, but I can only afford coach. So put that in for my airfare. I'd I'd like a mid-sized car and uh, in hotel rooms. Yeah. Can I get the one that's bomb proof, bulletproof and will prevent anyone from putting poison gas into my room? It's just amazing what's out there. And when you think about where that is, Israel, it kind of makes sense. There's probably a whole bunch of hotels that offer that suite. So President Trump staying in 
in basically the ultimate panic room while he was in uh, Jerusalem. And again, where is Jeannie Mose from CNN when we want to see this stuff? I want to see how many vehicles travel with the president. I want to see how many agents go with the president, how many doctors. And then I want to see how many rooms it takes. Obviously, he gets the whole floor wherever he is. But how many other floors? It's, it's got to be a daunting task to protect a president uh, in America. Now, now take him out of the country. And that, that task doubles, triples, or even, even quadruples. Now take him to the Middle East, where there's a whole bunch of people who, who have it on their to-do list every day to spend two or three hours chanting death to America. So what do they have to do to prepare for every eventuality? It really must be just uh, an amazing test. And thank God we've never had to find out what kind of bad stuff could happen to an American president while visiting overseas. Thank God. And let's hope that continues. When we get back, uh, where do we go? Do we have some fun with... The big actor who says it's okay to watch The Cosby Show? Or do we talk about freedom? I say freedom. Let's talk freedom. Next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Before we went away, I did mention that yesterday's vital question had a little more time left on it. The results are in right now. The question yesterday, and it does relate to freedom, is it ever okay to text in a movie theater during the feature? 76% of you say no. 1% of you cannot make up your mind And 23% of you say, yes, it's fine. It's okay. It's great. Yes. Yes, we should be allowed to be texting in a movie theater during the feature. And all I want to say is, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The light from your screen, boom, lights up. Everyone else is trying to enjoy the film. Now, here's what worries me. If there are 500 people in the movie theater where I'm watching the gigantic screen and the beautiful sounds and sights of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, if there's 500 people in that dark theater and the stats are are correct here, that means there are going to be over 100 of you, close to 115 of you, texting and thinking it's okay. And that's wrong. That's an infringement on my movie experience. 
So I have to disagree with you, 23%. And that's a pretty healthy chunk. More than one in five of you will actually be texting during the movie and thinking, oh, this is just fine. The rest of you can just get stuffed. I know. It's, it's not exactly a question that's going to save anybody's life. Well, but you know what? It might. You know how people get upset. Look how people get mad on airplanes and beat the crap out of each other. You know there's going to be a texting fight in the theater eventually. We used to see fights at the theaters when, when I uh, lived in, in New York City and worked on the banks of the Hudson River right across in Jersey, in a little town called Jersey City, New Jersey. There was a, a mall with a movie theater, with a multiplex attached to the radio station. And we used to take breaks during the day and go down and watch a movie because kind of an easy thing to do. It's right next door. You never had to go outside in winter or summer, whatever. But it was a neighborhood that was, um, how do you say this without offending anybody? It was a lower income neighborhood. There were zero bookstores in the mall. There were five sneaker stores. So it wasn't like the brain trusts were shopping in this mall. And so at the movies, there tended to be a lot of yelling at the screen and talking. Look out. No, he didn't. All during the movies. And frequently people would get upset and just behave like idiots. So the talking in the movies has now become the texting in the movies. And I can never see a case where it would be okay. The first time your phone goes bloop and it says, hey, I have a problem. I need to speak. Take it outside. Don't ruin it for everybody else, which kind of should be rule number seven. Whatever you do, don't ruin it for everybody else. I know I've gotten off on a tangent here. And enough about my movie. One day we'll talk about the worst experiences in movies and in a movie theater. Talking and fighting is not the worst. Uh, going to movies in New York City, you frequently felt like your feet had been glued to the floor because the floors were just a syrupy mess from years of Coca-Cola or whatever soft drink had been spilled on the floors. And then don't even get me started on the little creatures that would run across your feet during the screening. You wonder why I don't go to movies in New York or pretty much anywhere. Because it was just a little disturbing to be watching something on the screen and then hear. And you know what it was. And then there was the time the lady changed a baby in the theater because she didn't want to miss a second of the film. Again, I will get distracted if I start talking about this. But today's vital question... Today's vital question relates to uh, the last event that happened in New Orleans yesterday where the final Confederate statue was removed. And um, this is part of a, a series of removals of monuments and or statues that saluted the, the Confederate side of, of the Civil War in this country. And... In terms of free speech, you know, it was certainly a, a horrible time in America, the Confederate, uh, the Confederate states that were splitting from the Union and arguing on behalf of slavery. Never a good thing. And yet there are monuments that, that go all the way across the South, and we've had the debates over the Confederate flag. But I want to know what, what you think about this, the removal of the Confederate monuments and statues. 
What do you think about this? Is it the right thing to do? Is it wrong? Is it okay as long as we display it in a museum? Or is it something that you can't decide? Where do you stand on the removal of Confederate monuments and Confederate statues? Right thing to do? Wrong thing to do? Okay, as long as we put it in a museum and make sure that we never forget? Or you can't decide? Because I'm kind of, I lean towards the, you know what? It's a very offensive time. It was a time that, that uh, you know, a great portion of our nation was treated horribly as property. And so we should never deny that that existed, but I don't know if, if the placing of it in public is an endorsement of it, or is it making sure that history never repeats itself. So where do you stand on this? Do you believe the Confederate monuments should be left where they are? Or do you believe they should be taken down, put in a museum? Or do you think uh, that just overall removal and, and maybe we should maybe we should become like the like the Taliban? Remember when they started blowing up old statues and old antiquities because it conflicted with their beliefs? I was offended by that, too. So uh, this vote will be up for 24 hours. You can, you can post your, your response to it. There's also the subject of freedom that I told you I wanted to discuss. The Federal Appeals Court Friday struck down a rule that was requiring owners of recreational drones and other model aircraft to register those devices with the FAA. And I don't know if you noticed this, but in 2015, the FAA put out a rule that said, you know, we got too many of these drones, too many of these drones out there. We need to know who's owning these drones. You have to, you have to register with the FAA. And that year, when a drone started becoming a gigantic thing uh, for Christmas and for the, the holiday gift-giving season, because Christmas offends some people, but when Christmas was a drone Christmas for some people. And some of the drones became very sophisticated. I have a friend whose drone probably costs more than a lot of our cars costs. And he can fly that thing from his iPhone and direct it using waypoints and have it bring back live images or send live images and collect images that he can download later. The drones... The drones are a reality. They're out there. And yet the, the panel of judges on the Court of Appeals in the D.C. Circuit ruled that the federal law prohibits the FAA from issuing any rules, any rules or regulations covering model aircraft, which is where the drones fit in. They said the rule, the FAA argued, the rule is part of its mission to improve aviation safety. And the panel of three judges said, that's up to Congress to change the law. So I imagine we're going to try and see a debate about reasonable, reasonable use of, of the law when it comes to drones. I think it's fun. The drones are a whole bunch of fun. They're even, uh, I saw a drone racing show on ESPN the other day. 
And while I didn't stick around because it, it just looked like a video game show. But this, this rule obviously has some good intention behind it. They're obviously trying to make sure that the planes which you and I fly on are safe. And I like that idea. But we have to find a way to allow the recreational drone to still be used. At the same time, you have to find a way to make sure the commercial drones that Amazon is going to be employing on a massive basis for delivery, that those don't interfere with commercial air traffic. It's, it's uh, again, as, as Dr. Wendy Patrick frequ frequently says on this show when she visits on Monday, technology often is ahead of the law. And in this case, drone technology just went exponentially quickly and grew faster than anyone thought. And so now the law is rushing to catch up. But right now, you don't need to register your drone. I wonder what happens to all the files of the people who did register drones with the FAA. If you got a drone from 2015 to 2017 and you filled out the forms inside and or the retailers sent your information to the government, I wonder what happens to all that information. Speaking of freedom, just wondering. More on this topic as it becomes available. I'm stepping away. When we get back, I promised you some Chris Matthews fun. I think, I think we'll get into the Chris Matthews fun next. But uh, don't forget, the vital question is up. And some of you have already jumped in on answering the vital question about the Confederate monuments, uh, specifically saying good morning to our Rob Borowski, the Rob Borowski on Twitter, says uh, it's wrong. You can't erase history unless you pull down all Union monument monuments and statues as well. People will also have to drop all slavery talk. Well, I think, you know, that's an extreme, but I know you exaggerate to clarify your argument. Anyone has an opinion on this, the phones are open, 888-900-3393, This is Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. A lot going on this morning. It's a Saturday. I hope your weekend is going to be a great one. I have a history lesson for you coming up. You know how this show loves history. There is a, uh, a special moment in, in American history that is honored today. And I'm a, a guy who loves innovation and entrepreneurship. I think we need to salute it and try and inspire more of it. So I, I'm going to uh, give you a little bit of the old history lesson that we used to do on the weekend show when this first started years ago. So many of you have sent me uh, your favorite great moments in history, too. So I'm, I'm really pleased we'll be able to have a, a little bit of special history and it's, uh, it's a history that, that had a tremendous effect on this country. It's, it's something that, well, I'll, I'll share it with you later. 
We are monitoring all the news out of the president's trip. So far, it's been a lot of handshaking, red carpet walking. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. And nothing real uh, in terms of news event is going to happen until mm, maybe this evening. I know there's a state dinner happening tonight, which will be around 2 o'clock our time on the East Coast. Uh, it's, it's almost 2 p.m. in Riyadh as we speak. And they're just getting to the official, official greetings. And so, uh, really, nothing, nothing major. The president has tweeted about his arrival and that he expects great things, but not much going on. So, we'll see. And I think, I think this trip is going to do wonders for trying to get the focus back on the Trump agenda. As so many people have advised the president, get back to what you promised us you were going to do. Now, what about Chris Matthews? I promised you funny from Chris Matthews. Uh, there's a lot of it. So I'm going to give you uh, a little bit right now. Matthews is obsessed with trying to paint Trump as someone who, who believes that we should have a royal family uh, and, and that, that, that this is all just a, a power grab. Here was Matthews in a montage of, of all the times he mentioned the Romanovs. Why do I think of the Romanovs? There's, there's, there's an aspect oh. here. <laughs> this is a strange administration. Family means a lot with Trump. It's almost like the Romanovs. I, I keep referring to the Romanovs because they do everything as a family. It's like a king at court. Up next, with his presidency on the rocks, Trump is turning to his family again. They're the Romanovs. Son-in-law, it is like the Romanovs. He is distributing the... the, the he is. He's distributing the wealth among his family members' uh, power. You look at the campaign, it's always the kids. So it's the Roman frustration. But it's the Roman It's the royal Russian every family. Campaign. Yeah, well, we're going to have either a hunt in the next three years or we're going to have the Romanovs. Thank you so much, Kristen. Daughter, I've said the Romanovs because there's something about the yeah. president who presumes that this is a royal family taking its place at the table of power. It is un American. You ever seen the Romanovs, the last Russian family? They're all over the place. They got a Russian royal family because they were a family that ruled Russia. It was as simple as that. Do you think this bothers the country to have sort of a Romanov royal family running the place? Just fasted by the Romanovs. Last word, Joan. Do you like the Romanovs? Do you like that image? I'm not talking about what happened to them ultimately. No, no, I'm no. talking about the power they had over their country because of their birth. Right. I think it fits. Kushner House oh, is about three or four blocks away. Yeah. When the overlay on. continues here. The Romanovs. The next yeah, Does he keep bringing up the Romanovs because they ended badly in execution? Seems kind of like a weird obsession, doesn't it? Oh, there's more. Come on back. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network second hour of Pure Opelka on this beautiful Saturday here in the constitutionally protected free speech bunker in the woods of Arden, Delaware and yeah, I do live in the woods so what? Actually, it's a little, a little village, and there are a lot of us here in the woods of Arden, Delaware. When I say a lot, I mean 800. Not a whole lot. 
but you know, enough. It is a, a strange community where I reside, and it's a community that reminds me every day of our diversity and the strength of our diversity. It reminds me that we are able to live with people of different opinions. And as a matter of fact, I think I would encourage it. I would rather live in a diverse community than be surrounded by people who think exactly the same thing as I do. It's kind of like saying, can you imagine when you heard one perfect note of a song and you said, my God, that's beautiful. That one note is just so gorgeous and perfect. And then that's all you heard for the rest of your life. How long would it be before you were stabbing your ears going, I don't want to hear that anymore. No, it's, it's the, the differences, the changes in the music that make you so interested, that, that stimulate your brokaw and, and make your brain engage. And, and that's why I crave and appreciate and, and support the diverse community of thought in which I live. I'm surrounded by liberals, uber-liberals, progressives, communists, anarchists. Okay, there's only a couple of anarchists, and we know where they are, and we keep an eye on them. But I appreciate, I appreciate the chance to speak and, and share different thoughts with different people. And they're not stupid people. They're just misguided, as I'm frequently telling them. So when I, when I see places like Saudi Arabia as the president is being welcomed in the palace and, and they're doing the royal welcome for the president, so much of that culture appears to be locked into one kind of thinking. And yeah, there's a certain opulence and, and uh, great royalty there on display, if you can use royalty with air quotes. Uh, but we also know that in Saudi Arabia, there's not too much diversity of thought. And that would scare the hell out of me. Because you're not always going to be in, in the top tier, are you? And the minute you're out of it, boy, are you out of it. And let's not talk about what it is to be a, a woman in Saudi Arabia. We are, we are hopefully seeing changes in, in that part of the culture. Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, has been now uh, added to the party that is there for the royal event. You have the President and Melania Trump and the Saudi royal family and Secretary of State Tillerson as well as uh, Jared Kushner and Ivanka are there. And there's going to be a lot of gift giving and coffee drinking, etc. But uh, this, is, um, this is going to be an important trip for the president, and we will try and keep you updated and, and give you every bit of important information. Right now, it's just going to be a lot of ceremonial crap going on. They did have, when the president arrived at the palace about an hour ago, they had a military band playing. And uh, I don't know how well the Saudis do military brass bands. It reminded me of the, and I'm going way back here, you can find it on the YouTubes, the Mayberry marching band that was so awful. They weren't quite that bad, but they were pretty bad. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you caught it. 
CNN didn't share it and MSNBC hasn't posted it yet, I would have grabbed it. But it, it seemed like it was like a good effort, but you guys don't do military marching band stuff really well. So <laughs> let's maybe back off on that one. But we'll, we'll keep you posted. There's a big royal dinner tonight, and I think that's going to be the only time that we see anything. I watched as they had the coffee ceremony. They were pouring coffee. They had a bunch of waiter-type guys in these, these white uniforms pouring coffee for everybody, giving, giving the family up front a little tiny cup of coffee and you take a sip. All of them are armed. All of them are carrying a firearm on their hip. I'm just saying, anybody in America that has a problem with the Second Amendment, the waiters at the Saudi royal family royal welcome are packing heat. <laughs> Imagine a waiter walking into a dinner with the President of the United States with a firearm on his hip. What do you think would happen? Anybody? <laughs> that guy is getting wrestled to the ground and that firearm is getting taken away. Absolutely. All right, as I said, we'll, we'll keep you posted if anything happens. Right now, nothing is going on but a whole lot of, hey, glad, glad to have you here. Here's some real super strong Saudi coffee served by a waiter with a gun. Just, just the way we like it. Oh, it is funny to see. I wonder if anyone else picked up on that. If any of the other networks said, you know what? The waiters are armed. Hold on a second. How's the coffee? Go ahead, have another cup. Uh, you better tip well, too. That's all I'm saying. The question of the day, the vital question of the day, has to relate to uh, the topic in Louisiana that is being brought up by many folks. And that's to do with the Confederate monuments and the Confederate statues, four of which have been removed in recent weeks. And all done with a certain amounts of protest on both sides, celebration by some, anger by others. Uh, but I think in general, there wasn't a whole lot of reaction to it locally. My brother's in New Orleans. I need to ask him about that, what he thinks. But uh, so I asked the question, uh, is, it, is it okay, the removal of Confederate monuments and statues? Is it the right thing to do? Is it wrong? Is it okay, but display them in a museum, or can you decide? Well, look, I've said this before, and it, apparently I am in the minority here. If it's a problem, and look, slavery was horrible, horrible. One of the worst things in our history, but we corrected it. We don't have monuments to slavery. Oh, wait, that's what the Confederate monuments are. So... I'm all for taking them down and putting them in a museum and educate people. Tell people this was, this was a dark time in our country's history. This was a horrible thing. And we were behind much of the rest of the developed world at the time in outlawing and removing and eliminating slavery. So I'm okay with it as long as it's in a museum, as long as we constantly educate people. So uh, apparently I'm, I'm in the minority. 6% say it's just the right thing to do. We should do it. 73% of you say it's flat out wrong and they should stay right where they are. 15% where I am say it's okay. Just display them in a museum. 
and 6% of you cannot decide. This poll will stay up for 24 hours. You've got about 23 hours left. And then tomorrow you can see the final results. And this is, again, part of what I mentioned in the opening of this hour, that we need to have diversity. We need to have diversity in thought and opinion and discussion. Otherwise, there is no real contrast in life. There's no beauty in life. There's just that one perfect note that eventually will make you want to take your ears and slice them off your head and fill those holes on the side of your head with clay so you can't hear anything again. And that's, that's not a, a look or a life anybody wants. So take the poll. Participate. The phone lines are open. 888 Much to talk about today. I wanted to get uh, an update on the Anthony Weiner story, which we hit at the end of yesterday's show. At the ver- As we were leaving the air yesterday, the news broke that Huma Abedin had filed for divorce from Anthony Weiner on the same day that he admitted to being a, a sex offender. And now he's a registered sex offender, a guy who had been sending images, pornographic images, to an underage girl. At least one. And I was remarking on the fact that there was a Secret Service agent who basically admitted to the same thing in March of this year and earlier this week was sentenced to 20 years in prison. 20 years for doing pretty much the same thing Anthony Weiner did with two underage women, one uh, 15 years old and one 17 years old. Weiner admitted to as much. And then there were all the others as well. And so um, Weiner apparently has a plea deal that will give him anywhere between 21 and 27 months in jail, but he could receive no jail time, zero jail time. And yet the Secret Service agent who committed basically the same crime is going to, going away for 20 years. And oh, by the way, Weiner gets the summer off. He doesn't have to face his, his hearing, his sentencing hearing, until September 8th. So he gets the prime Hamptons time from Memorial Day through Labor Day, and then he'll have to face a judge. And, oh, by the way, he's out on bail. There is a movie I really think you should see. It's called Wiener. And it's a documentary that nobody can believe Anthony Wiener gave these documentarians the access that they gave him. And this guy saw everything full unfold in front of him the entire meltdown and one of the most interesting moments for me was when anthony weiner in sort of a an aside in the conversation talked about his political life and his failings do my personal relationships suffer because of the superficial and transactional nature of my political relationships or is it the other way around do you go into politics because it's you're not connecting on that other level and and did the technology that undid me allow me to be in touch with people and have kind of more superficial relationships you know i i don't i don't don't know i mean look it gets back to yeah the 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 technology that undid me the technology did not undo you sir 
you undid yourself. Again, we go back to the comment that I make many times in situations like this. The technology didn't undo you, Anthony Weiner. You did it to yourself. Remember, if you, if you take off your shoes and they stink to high heavens, your socks didn't make your shoes smell. It was your stinky feet that did that. Don't blame your socks, Anthony Weiner. Blame yourself. Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are covering the world today and covering some of the local stuff today as well. There'll be good news today. I, I've decided we need a little extra good news on a weekend. And, um, you know, it surprised me. It surprised me when I heard the story of the kid who stopped who stopped the ransomware. That, that story that last week we were focused on here as this ransomware program had infiltrated hundreds of countries and gotten into computers, not only in private computers, but also into government computers in England and messed with the health system, gotten into some banks in Germany and also into some of the transportation computer systems. And that ransomware that froze those machines. Well, the young guy who figured it out when he was looking at the code, the kid that Glenn Beck described as living in his mother's basement, a 20-something, who was just a, an interested computer geek, and said, you know what, there's an IP address that's in this code, and I wonder who owns that IP address. He checked it out, discovered, well, no, nobody owns that IP address. I wonder if I can register it and then affect a change on it that would shut down the malware attack. And sure enough, it did. It did. It did exactly that. Now, that doesn't mean we are away from any future danger. You can just adapt the same software. You can put in a new IP address and it'll change and reactivate and people could put it out there again. But for the time being, that was shut down. It stopped. It blunted the attack on millions of computers around the world. For his thinking and acting, this young man was given a $10,000 reward. And you think, wow, that's actually pretty cool. You know, he didn't ask for the reward. There, there, I don't believe there was a reward posted, but this group said, here's $10,000. Thank you for being a smart, proactive good kid. And most 20-somethings would take that money and, and spend it without even thinking about it, right? Well, this kid took that money and, and what do you think he did? He's given it all away, all of it, to charity. And that made me just feel like, okay, okay, I got to take a day and, and be a little a little less attacking of the millennials. I have to just step back for a minute and say, 
you guys, there are those among you who make me feel, make me feel better. And this young man who decided that the 10 grand was nice, but maybe he could do better with it elsewhere. So I am buoyed by this news. I am, I am uh, elevated by the news that the code kid, as we're going to call him, has donated the 10K in reward money to charities. And I guess he's taking suggestions as to what kind of charities that he can use this, this newfound wealth to support. And in addition to that, I am also uh, buoyed by our own millennial, who if you haven't checked out our own millennial, who's out there showing the world that millennials aren't all bad, showing people like me that we need to give millennials a second look. Uh, our own millennial, Allie Stuckey, who's been on this show in the past, but Allie, and she will be on again. If you haven't checked Allie out, you should. When you're on theblaze.com and you go to the channels page, you go down the channels page. First, you find my page because I need to catch up to Doc Thompson. I need you to follow me on the Blaze channels. I need to catch up to Doc and Jeffy who have a head start. But also fo follow me and then follow Allie and you will get, you will get her, uh, her videos, Allie's videos. And they're, they're two to four minutes every day, and they're great. Hopefully, if she gets my message, I sent her a message last night saying, hey, can you join us in the 8 o'clock hour? Uh, but, you know, being a millennial, she was probably out all night at the club. We'll see. But Allie and uh, Code Boy, you are giving me new hope. New hope indeed that, that the millennial generation is not one we should just write off that the millennial generation is going to actually stand up and grab America and put it back on track. I can hope, right? When we get back, um, there's a questionable statement by a really big actor, and I don't know how I feel about it. We'll get into that. Uh, plus, um, Mad Magazine? Mad Magazine is mad. And what are they mad about? Well, we have the answer to that question as well. You may have seen the reason why they are mad. I think many of you did. What's mad mad at? We'll answer that question next. I'm Piero Pelka. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Puro Pelka. You know, I, uh, I get surprised every now and then. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to do the history thing. I, I told you guys history. But I get surprised every now and then when a couple of things seem to weave together just naturally. They just seem to happen to kind of flow into one another. And this week 
We heard that uh, Bill Cosby, who's on trial for one of the one of the uh, alleged cases of um, sexual impropriety that he is alleged and reported to have committed. Only one of them apparently survives the statute of limitations. And Michael Smirkanish, a CNN guy and host at a radio show in the Philadelphia area, Michael Smirkanish actually scored an interview with Bill Cosby on the phone this week. It wasn't much of an interview, because what did we learn? We learned that Bill Cosby's not going to testify in his own behalf at his upcoming trial. So talking to Cosby, we learned that Cosby won't be talking. Kind of weird, right? And then I read today that uh, actor Brian Cranston, the guy from Breaking Bad and a number of other things, Malcolm in the Middle, remember? Brian Cranston is quoted in the New York Post saying, you can still watch The Cosby Show despite Bill Cosby's tarnished legacy. I was like, wait, what? Because I, I think, haven't they taken The Cosby Show off all of the channels? I, I'm not sure. I think they had. Cranston goes on to say, it's so painful and just so sad. He was at a, a red carpet event at the Cinema Society premiere of a film called Wakefield. He, Cranston went on to tell Page Six, quote, He abused his power in many ways, but he does... But does that take away the experience you had as a child? He asked, quote, when your niece sees him on TV and says, isn't that the guy? You say, no, hush up. He's a doctor. He does not do wrong. That's kind of a weird statement, right? Is it? Is it first of all, uh, I need to find out. Does anybody know, any of you out there in the vast and unpaid resource department, is the Cosby Show still airing on American television? I have not had a chance to look it up. But when I hear Cranston talking about this, I go back to one of the weirder, creepier moments from that show. It was a show on NBC that created the must-see TV Thursday night dominance on NBC, it made Bill Cosby a very, very wealthy and powerful man. Huge. At one time, I think 24% of all televisions in America were tuned in to the Cosby show. And then we hear about all the allegations made against Cosby of supposedly drugging women and then taking advantage of them. And that makes this clip that is making its rounds on the Internet, just it has been for years, that makes this clip even creepier. And then you tie in Brian Cranston's statement about watching Cosby and saying, isn't, uh, if, if your niece sees him on TV and says, isn't that the guy? You say, no, hush up, he's a doctor. He does not do wrong. Well, let's go back to this moment on the Cosby show when um, the families were getting together for a barbecue and dad explained his special, air quotes, special barbecue sauce. I love your neck, honey. 
Well, uh, it certainly is nice to see them work things out for themselves. They haven't worked anything out for themselves. It's my barbecue sauce. <laughs> Your barbecue sauce. My barbecue sauce. Haven't you ever noticed after people have some of my barbecue sauce, after a while when it kicks in, they get all huggy-buggy? Stop. I'm dead serious. <laughs> Haven't you ever noticed that after one of my barbecues and they have the sauce, people want to get right home? <laughs> okay, that's creepy enough, right? That that just that part alone is creepy enough. And they cut to a scene of the the couples, the two kids, with their other half, and they're they're all kind of public. Def- display of affection at the backyard barbecue of the Cosby house. And then it gets extra creepy. Let me tell you something else. I got a cup of it up on the night table. (laughs) I got a cup of it, I said. (laughs) Left it up there breathing. Why don't you give the chicken to these people that's going up and have some sauce? Anyone else creeped out? Anyone else? Brian Cranston. Can someone please show that clip to Brian Cranston? I, I'm I'm just stunned. I'm absolutely stunned. But you know, Brian Cranston, part of the Hollywood elite group, he can say what he wants to say. Just amazing in the week of the Anthony Weiner admission, finally admission and confession and possibly facing criminal time for his activities. The third time, third time we've been through the ringer with Anthony Weiner, and who's to say it's the last? We don't know. I still think he's going to get off without jail time. And then Bill Cosby, in the very same week, decides to break his silence to Michael Smirkanish, only to say he's not going to say anything. And Brian Cranston tells us, it's okay well, when is it okay? Uh, we're, we're, we're rewriting history because we, we don't like Confederate monuments out there. But Brian Cranston wants to support Cosby. It, does it feel like a little bit of a double standard? Yeah, I guess it does. It really does. Michael Pelka on Puro Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network on Saturday morning. Uh, Today, we still have to get to, we still have to get to uh, the history lesson, and we will. And I have to thank uh, the Nerf Herder 36. I didn't know there were at least 36 Nerf Herders. Uh, But Nerf Herder 36 says, yes, Cosby is still on air in syndication. I didn't know that. I haven't searched for it. I think the last thing I searched for in the old syndicated show file was um, was Columbo, because you can you can find a Columbo on somewhere in the world uh, every minute of the day. But uh, I knew you guys would come through. I knew you guys would absolutely come through. And for the person who sent me the direct message and asked me why I'm not mentioning mentioning a certain wedding today. Why am I not covering a certain wedding? You guys know I cannot stand the royal family. I mean, they're fine. They're people. God bless them. Let them do it. But the whole concept of a royal family, to me, and the obsession over them, is, is insulting. That's why we did this whole breakup thing back in 1776. Anyone remember? 
not a fan of the royal family thing. So I'm not going to be covering that royal family wedding. So no, thank you. But when we will get back, we do get back, I want to talk about uh, somebody who created something and turned it into an empire and made it something so spectacular, it became, it became uh, synonymous with America. It stood for American freedom. It showed you the greatness of America and how an idea can change not just a person, not just a family, not just a business, but it can also change the world. This week's history lesson just around the corner on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Of course we will. Of course we will talk the Preakness just around the corner. I, I do have a, a Preakness pick for you. I know I failed miserably in the Derby. I, I, I absolutely got zorched. Zilch. Zero. Zippo. Nothing. None of my Derby thoughts succeeded. However, if we can go back to the Kentucky Derby day... Uh, there was a horse running two races earlier, a horse called Limousine Liberal, and I knew nothing of the horse, just that I was betting the horse's owner had a sense of humor and was a conservative, so I put five bucks on Limousine Liberal to win, and that was in the 10th race at Churchill Downs on that day. And uh, then I went and made my derby bets, completely forgot about it. I watched all my horses crumble and stumble and not do anything for me in the derby. And then I said, wait a minute, what about Limousine Liberal? And Limousine Liberal won. And so I, I actually, I had bet $75 on the derby in various combinations, lost every single buck. I had put five bucks on Limousine Liberal. And that paid $71.50. So it was almost square. But today, uh, we'll talk Preakness a little bit later. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing Jeffy's going to give you a little Preakness preview, too. Because, you know, we know what a mad gambler Jeffy is. He's just crazy about the gambling. Can't keep him out of casinos. He's, he's, uh, he's a high roller. He's got the whale suite. He's got all of it. That's probably not true. But Jeff Fisher and the Jeff Fisher Show follows this program on the Blaze Radio Networks each and every Saturday. One of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Jeff Fisher. Uh, and after Jeffy, Lawrence Jones, uh, the guy who I'm still trying to understand what the heck the opposite race is. And in, I think in two weeks I'm going to be visiting Dallas and spending some time at the, at the Blaze Mothership. And uh, I, I plan on sitting down with Lawrence Jones and exploring the concept of the opposite race. And we're going to get deep into that. Also, programming alert, programming alert, uh, June, what is it, June 7th and 8th or June 8th and 9th, I will be hosting the Glenn Beck program nationally. 
So you'll be able to join me on, on those days. It's the Thursday and Friday. And then also uh, followed immediately by Pure Opelka. So we're going to do that, that Doc Thompson six-hour radio thing. So put that in your calendar. I mentioned that, that today has a history lesson for us, and it does. Today has a history lesson about Loeb Strauss. Loeb Strauss. A guy that was born in uh, Butenheim, Bavaria in 1829. Loeb Strauss, Bavarian. Uh, a young man who came to this country in, 19, in 1847. So he was, he was not yet 20 years old. He was 18 years old when Loeb Strauss came to America after his father had passed away. The Strauss family was in the dry goods business, and they opened um, J. Strauss Brother and Company in New York and did pretty well. And then the young man, Loeb Strauss, in 1853, saw what was going on with the gold rush in California and said, I need to be there. So he headed west. And young Mr. Strauss got to San Francisco and he set up another dry goods company, a wholesale dry goods business, using the family name. And he was the West Coast representative of the J. Strauss Brother and Company dry goods. They, they imported clothing and fabric and other dry goods to sell in the small stores that were opening all over California and the West as the West began to expand. In 1866, Strauss's company was doing well and he, he built a, a bigger headquarters. He was known in the community a young Jewish man who was succeeding in San Francisco. And it was in, in 1872, one of the regular customers of Loeb Strauss, who had, by the way, changed his name. He kept the Strauss name, but he was no longer Loeb. He was Levi. He met Jacob Davis, a tailor from Reno, who wrote a letter to him and said, I'm really impressed by the way you make these work pants with metal rivets on the stress points and the corners of the pockets and the, it made them stronger. Davis didn't have the money to fill out the paperwork, but he said to Strauss, if you provide the funds and we get together, we can get a patent on this process. And Levi Strauss said yes. The patent for, quote, improvement in fastening pocket openings that innovation that would make blue jeans possibly one of the greatest American inventions of the 19th century. They, they used to hire seamstresses who worked at homes, and then they had to open their own factory. Those 501 brand jeans, as we now look at them today, were known as the double X, denim waist overalls, top-selling man's work pant in the U.S., and by the 1920s, taken over the world. Levi's became currency at one point in the Soviet Union. You could actually bring old jeans to Moscow and live off them. All because of a patent. All because of an idea. All because of Levi Strauss. On this day in history, the patent was granted in 1873. We'll be right back. 
Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Third hour, Pure Opelka kicking into high gear. Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network joining you as we do every weekend. Six days of Pure Opelka, and thank you for making it work. Thank those of you who follow me on the Blaze channels. And if you don't, please go to theblaze.com, click on the channel button, follow me, follow Jeffy, the guy that follows me here. Uh, follow, follow as many of us as you, as you support. It would be amazing to have all of you following us. And it would just help us keep the word out there. It's very important. Coming up this hour, we're going to touch on a, a couple of important subjects. I don't know if I'm going to get Allie Stuckey on the phone. I sent her a, a message late last night. Allie is the vlogger, the video blogger, who you can see on TheBlaze.com. She is a millennial who brings hope to me when I think about millennials, a group I'm frequently very tough, tough on them. So maybe we'll get Allie. Uh, we're going to talk a little Preakness because I... I have to give you my Preakness pick. Uh, we will update if anything big happens with President Trump and his uh, trip. He arrived in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia earlier today, had a welcome on the tarmac. The Saudi king actually showed up, something that the king did not do when Barack Obama was there. And there was a royal gathering that happened, a royal welcome, where Trump got a really badass gold necklace put around <laughs> put around him i wonder if he gets to keep that i think that's the property of the white house but it is a beautiful gold necklace it's like the saudi uh, royal order that he was inducted into and um, and then there'll be a royal dinner a family dinner tonight and then there's the big speech tomorrow which i'm sure will be covered everywhere uh this um interesting the CNN's making making uh, hay out of the fact that Melania Trump did not wear a head covering, and apparently Donald Trump criticized Michelle Obama when she didn't wear a head covering, a scarf, if you will, at, at their last meeting. And, uh, you know, come on now. Donald Trump was criticizing everything Barack Obama did publicly. Not so publicly as well, I'm sure. And speaking of not so publicly... There was the leak last night that Donald Trump apparently allegedly told the Saudis that uh, he fired that nut job, Jim Comey. Nobody's naming names, but this is the latest, the latest comment that is leaked out of this very leaky White House. And you have to wonder just who's behind all these leaks. But CNN is making this headline news. MSNBC is making it headline news. It's on the cover of both New York tabloids today. It is uh, the word nut job. And earlier today, as CNN was starting its broadcast day, they had in some experts talking about Donald Trump calling Comey a nut job. And I have to give one of the experts credit. Instead of jumping on the bandwagon and beating up Trump, he went, you know, Trump used the word nut job all the time. It's not like that was a special insult. It was, it was an insult he frequently used. 
So let's not get crazy about that. And yes, I said crazy. Am I not allowed to use the word crazy? I'm sorry. I have a question. Aside from today's vital question, which is up already, and that the vital question of the day is on my Twitter account. The vital question of the day on Twitter relates to the removal of the Confederate monuments and Confederate statues all around the South, specifically in Louisiana, where four have been removed. And I wondered how you feel about it. Is it okay? Is it not okay? Is it okay, but we should put them in a museum? And you just can't decide. And currently, most of you think it's just not okay at all. I stand on the fact that, hey, we, we don't have to offend people, but we can put them up in a museum and make sure we educate people so that we never repeat this awful mistake of slavery. But I have another question. There was a horrific crash this week in Times Square. The guy that drove his car down 7th Avenue and then pulled a U-turn and drove up the sidewalk from 42nd Street to 45th Street, slamming into pedestrians on the sidewalk, killing one. There's another one who looks like may not make it today. There were four people critically injured, so there might be two deaths involved in this. And I don't want to give this guy any, any more attention than he's gotten. But, you know, immediately when it happened, everybody panicked and we went, please, God, please, God, please, God, don't let it be terrorism. Please just let it be some idiot, some drunken nut, because you don't want to think that New York City, especially Times Square, the crossroads of the world, would be struck by terrorism. And the absence of the NYPD's Hercules squad, those are the officers in all black, made me think that this was not terrorism or they didn't believe it was terrorism. And I stuck by that. And then I started getting messages from some of you, some of the vast and unpaid resource departments, some of the smart ones out there. And this audience is the smartest audience, I swear to you. Some of you were saying, you jumped too soon on this. This doesn't make any sense, this guy doing what he did and driving as he did. It makes no sense. He, he apparently wasn't drunk, but there have been reports that he was high. He apparently had two previous DUI convictions. He also reportedly was a washout from the U.S. Navy. We were told that he was suicidal and, and had hoped the cops would shoot him. And we really don't know yet, do we? We don't know much. And yet now a collection of security camera videos has started showing up online. There's a, a, a one montage of clips from various security cameras showing the horrific accident from several angles and from several different blocks. And it's pretty graphic. I posted a 45-second clip of this online on my Twitter account at StuntBrain just now. It's a 45-second clip, and I will tell you, if you are squeamish, if the sight of pedestrians being run over and bodies being thrown about by a speeding car makes you uh, upset, don't watch it. Do not watch this, because it is, uh, it's unedited. But it's only, it's 45 seconds of the full two and a half minutes. And you see the vehicle going down 7th Avenue and then suddenly making this abrupt U-turn 
and then turning and accelerating up the sidewalk, going against traffic, but also on the sidewalk, and literally mowing over people. And it is, again, this was the middle of the day on a very hot summer day in a crowded Times Square, taking people by complete surprise. You see the panic. You see the carnage. You see the body strewn about. And you see people unable to get out of the way. Ultimately, the, the first young woman, the 18-year-old woman who was killed, is seen. In the full two-minute video, you actually see the car get stuck up on the pillar that protects the pedestrian wall, the two-and-a-half, three-foot-tall metal pillar that lines 7th Avenue sidewalk and preventing traffic from coming off the street onto the sidewalk. This guy didn't go through those to get up on the sidewalk. Instead, he U-turned and came up on a crosswalk. So where, where do we stand on this? What's the story with this video? Is it, is it okay to speculate? What do you think? Was there more to this? I, I don't know what to think yet, but I think it's okay to ask the questions. I think it's incumbent upon us to say, what's really happening here? And what do we know about this guy? Uh, there certainly has been a lot of attention on it in New York. There's, a matter of fact, a ton of attention in New York. New York politicians um, New York politicians are saying that the first thing we need to do is go in and, and make Times Square even safer. Well, af after arriving in New York, after arriving in New York in 1988 and making New York City my home until very recently... I can tell you New York was a really unsafe place in 1988. It was about as unhinged and, and crazy as you could imagine. If you wanted anything in the world at any hour of the day, all you had to do was go to Times Square and you can find it. And now Times Square is a mall, pretty much. It was disney years ago. All of the weird adult theaters. Yeah, I used air quotes. All of the weird adult theaters are gone. You have national chains, chains that take up most of the retail space. There's an M&M's store in Times Square, for gosh sakes. And people come there at any given day. Most of those people are tourists in Times Square, right there at the crossroads of the world, right there outside the the building where MTV used to host TRL every day. ESPN is there. CNBC is there. They're all, almost every single network has a storefront set up there broadcasting somewhere from Times Square. And if they're not in Times Square, they're just up the road. So this is a key point where if you wanted to make a statement, if you wanted to, if you wanted to wreak havoc on the greatest city in the country, you could do so pretty evilly, e easily if you were, and evilly too. Boy, talk about a Freudian slip. You could do so pretty easily if you were to be able to do what has been done in, in other cities, London, Paris, Nice, driving a vehicle into crowded, crowded areas. So how do you protect that? I don't know. 
But I posted 45 seconds of this two-and-a-half-minute video, and I, I think it would be, it'd be interesting for all of us to have a, a, a fair and open discussion about what happened. What happened? Brian Packbush, I hope I'm saying your name right, Brian. Brian Packbush tweeted at me, I don't think warning graphic content really covers that video. Um, I, I, I was just trying to get it on the, on the site, Brian, but if, if anybody is squeamish or anybody doesn't want to see what happened, and again, this is, this is only 45 seconds of an over two-minute video that was sent to me by one of the smarter people I know. One of the people who said, there's something else here and we need to look deeper. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. But I, don't, I also don't want to get into the Alex Jones false flag thing and the uh, dark helicopters flying over Times Square directing a guy in a car to drive up on the sidewalk. I don't want to get into that zone. But I do think it's fair to ask the question, what made this guy do it? What was his intention? And how do we know, actually? How do we really know? I still get a chill when I see the cover of yesterday's New York Post, the photographer who happened to be right there on the scene and caught the guy getting out of his car and leaping into the air and screaming. It is a chilling photograph. The video that I posted on Twitter is equally chilling. But I'd like to know, what do you think? Phone lines are open. If you have an opinion, if you don't, that's fine. 888 900-3393-888-900-3393. Is there more here than we are being told? Is there something else to worry about? And what can New York do that they aren't already doing to protect Times Square? If you do anything else, if you ban vehicle traffic altogether, the crossroads of the world will pretty much shut down. You can't, you can't bubble wrap all of us. And then the terrorists win. But was this even terrorism? I really don't think we know enough. And until we know enough, we can't really know, can we? Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I posted a clip that so many of you have already reacted to. It was sent to me by one of the smarter people I know in the whole wide world, which is why I gave it some credibility. Uh, it's a clip showing 45 seconds of uh, different security cameras that covered the crash in Times Square the other day, the deadly crash. And, uh, you know, initially people were saying nothing to see here. Drunken guy. Guy has a history of DUIs and we think he was on drugs, yada, yada, yada. 
And then people started saying, hold on a second here. This is a problem. This thing is a bad thing. There's something else here. And, you know, I initially went, cut it out. Let's stop chasing this stuff. And then my very smart friend sent it to me and said, you need to look at this. So I'm asking you guys, what else is here? And I warn you, if you watch the video online, it's very graphic. It is very graphic and will disturb some people. It's horrible, it's tragic, but it's also graphic. So Rich in White Plains is up early on a Saturday. Good morning, Rich. Uh, what do you think about this video? I didn't see it, Mike. That's, uh, you asked to call in about uh, the, you know, how do we keep... Uh, oh, Times Square safe. Yeah, okay. Times What's Square your thought? Safe, the country safe. Um, um, I just, uh, I'd like to segue uh, uh, from that um, or about that, how we managed to keep our country and Times Square relatively safe with a, according to our president, a crazy man and a nut job uh, heading the FBI. I mean, you know, how's that possible? I, you know, if, if that guy was uh, so unhinged, you would think that the FBI would not be functioning correctly and that we would have more terrorist attacks. So, so uh, you know, uh, um, do you support the president with his assessment of James Comey being a nut job? Well, Rich, um, thank you for your call. I appreciate you chiming in on that. Uh, right now, that's a, an assertion from an unnamed source. Right now, that's hearsay. Wouldn't be allowed in court. And uh, so, frankly, I'm not going to entertain it. It's off topic, but I appreciate you calling in. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And th that is how I feel about that New York Times reporting. I think we get so much of this. So much of this is speculation and rumor and unnamed sources and enough, enough. I understand the occasional need for anonymous sources, but the overuse and the dependence on it has become a critical mass for me. I just can't, I can't support it. But I am watching this story, and I'm hoping to hear from, from some of you. Johnny Vane's on Twitter writes, there are illicit drugs on the market which enable a disturbed person to drop inhibitions and act on negative thoughts. Yes, that's a good point. So that would mean it's an innocent subject. That would mean it's a very innocent subject. Uh, I'm going to keep watching this. I'm going to keep watching this to see is, is there more here? And maybe, maybe we need to keep pressing our elected officials to tell us more. I'm going to step away here for a minute. When we get back, I have, uh, I've got two and a half minutes. I thought I had a minute. Our time, my time clock is off. But uh, just around the corner, I have good news. Uh, a friend of mine who happens to be a chef of some note uh, the, the wonderful mad Cuban, Carl Ruiz, happens to be in Memphis, Tennessee for a barbecue festival. Yeah, okay. All of us just went full Pavlov's dog and started drooling, didn't we? Carl Ru Ruiz, the mad Cuban, is in Memphis. Uh, he's going to give us uh, his unvarnished opinion on, on this subject because he works in Times Square. And maybe he'll make a Preakness pick, which I still have to do. So much more to cover and just a half hour of the show left before Jeffy gets here. This is Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. One of the great joys in my life is to be able to have a a broad spectrum of friends and acquaintances, not only in the world, but in the media world that I I run around in all day long and all my life. And recently, I've come in contact with a guy who I just think is uh, so much fun and so entertaining, and yet he is great at what he does. And I think it's the passion that drives the greatness and the appreciation, uh, the joie de vie that he has, and the enjoyment is apparent in everything he does. If you're on Instagram, uh, Sabor Chef, you have to find Sabor Chef, that account. If you're on Twitter, it's Carl Ruiz. We call him the Mad Cuban. He's a Food Network staple. He's also a budding radio star, one of the funniest guys I've run into in years. You hear him sometimes on uh, Sirius, Sirius XM and a couple different shows on Roland's Food Court and with uh, Greg Opie Hughes on Opie Radio. And he's in Memphis today. But uh, I tracked him down because I saw he was awake. And I thought, we got to check in with the Cuban and see, uh, first of all, do you ever sleep, sir? Well, you know, the gout gets you up early, so um, I have to walk off all the ribs and stuff, you know, being down here in Memphis. Um, this is my Super Bowl. You know, this is, uh, this is an incredible thing to be part of. It's unbelievable, Mike. What is this, this rib thing you're talking about? So it's Memphis in May, and what it is, it's all the best barbecue guys. Um, they come down and they compete. Uh, for a trophy, you know, just like anything else. But uh, Memphis is kind of, it's, it's, it's the pitness of, of barbecue. So everyone that you want to know is here, you know, from, you know, the guys, you know, I was just walking through the lobby of the Peabody Hotel, and, and I meet the uh, guy that builds old Hickory Pits, which if you're into barbecue, that's like uh, the guy that makes Ferraris. You know what wow. I mean? So it was, and he's just sitting there drinking coffee, sobering up like the rest of us, you know. And <laughs> it, it, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, everybody gets a little booth, and you're you're on the park, right? You know, overlooking the Mississippi River, and just eating the most incredible things you've ever eaten. Yesterday, I walked into Billy Durney Hometown Barbecue, the only barbecue guy in a country with a Michelin star. Um, you know, Michelin star is a big deal for us, especially in barbecue. So he's making dry aged burgers, 40 day dry aged hamburgers, uh, from Pat Lafrida in New York. I can't explain to you what it tasted like. It tasted like I was being cradled by an angel. It was unbelievable. It was 40 day dry aged beef burgers. At, at now, Carl, we're talking to Carl Ruiz. He's the Mad Cuban. He's he's a an incredible chef. If you're up in the New York, New Jersey area, uh, Carl has like three restaurants. Marie's is the one you want to check out in Chatham, New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, but Carl, can the can the general populace can can Joe Sixpack show up 
and experience this event? Absolutely. I mean, it's 10 bucks to get in. And it's uh, being a New Yorker, I'm still amazed how we're still part of the country. Because these people are so nice. For $10, you walk in, everyone wants to feed you. You just walk by and people are frying chicken. You know, one of my best favorite fried chickens is uh, this place, Ubon's from Mississippi. They're here. And the guy's sitting there, you know, in a 10-gallon drum just frying chicken. That's unbelievable. You just walk up, you say, can I get a piece of chicken? And they'll give it to you. It's incredible. It's, it's what? unbelievable. What am I doing in the Northeast today when this oh. heaven on earth is happening in Memphis? Oh. My God. It's just, it, it's unbelievable. You know, it's unbelievable. Everybody, you know, it's a, it's a great, and it's also a great break from everybody. I mean, especially in this political climate. I mean, it's just nobody talks about anything except barbecue sauce and where the cold beers are. I mean, it's just a nice little break. And, uh, is, and I love it. Yeah. I have two questions about uh, about two things I, I've noticed yeah. that you've been reporting on. And we're talking to Carl Ruiz. He's a great chef. He's also a funny guy and uh, a friend, a new friend that I've discovered in my radio exploits. Uh, you can call Absolutely. him the Mad Cuban, too. Uh, I <laughs> notice you post these tomahawk steak shots everywhere. Where can I get what butcher do I need to talk to to get a tomahawk steak cut for me? You just did, Mike. You just did. What, um, the, the, the premier uh, meat growers are here, and what I'm going to do is I brought a Yeti. I have a soft Yeti bag. Ooh. I'm going to pack some up, and uh, I'll see you in New York. Absolutely. I, I, you know what? I haven't been to New York in a while. Now I have a great excuse to say, honey, I'm getting on the train. <laughs> I'm going to New York. I got to see the Cuban. And if the other way, if your home is on the way, I'll just come and drop them off. You have to eat them. I was eating these these tomahawk steaks. Basically, are a ribeye, but they leave the bone in and they French the bone, so the bone it makes it looks like a giant meat lollipop. Um, but technically, as a chef, why you love these steaks is because it the the bone gets super hot. Uh, on the grill, and it starts to, now this is really inside baseball, but it really, it starts to arc the steak a little bit, so it just protects the steak on the grill and makes a little layer of air between the grill and the steak, and it gives it this extra smoky flavor, which is incredible. Wow. Uh, Now, now I I literally am doing the Pavlov's dog thing here, and I'm salivating (laughs) at the thought of this. Yeah, if you're coming up 95, I'm going to set up a roadblock in Delaware and stop you and make sure uh, we confiscate. So you're going to get mistakes. Okay, good, 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 good. Now, the other thing, uh, as, and I, I appreciate you taking time out of your, your busy morning and your, your wandering Memphis. Uh, is there any trend in either sauces or barbecue that you're seeing that we should be aware of? There's a big trend um, to bringing barbecue back to the backyard, right? Um, barbecue has, got, has gone the way of the gadget, you know? Um, a gadget for this, uh, uh, an injector for this marinade. And at the end of the day, um, it's just about, believe it or not, reading and research and knowing your food. 
You know, one thing that really blew my mind one day is there's this guy out of the Carolinas. His name is Rodney Scott. And there was a giant uh, uh, barbecue event. He shows up with his F-250. In the back, he's got a bunch of cinder blocks. He builds a little pit, puts a pig on it, covers it with some corrugated steel, corrugated steel uh, and he won every, every award. You know what I mean? Not one thermometer, not one injection machine. And I think that's what it is. It's, it's really just getting a cheap Weber, learning about coals, learning about, you know, how to marinate your meat and, and making great barbecue and getting away from this super technical world. You know, we tend to make things complicated and, and, and then they're not good for the amateurs. So I'm seeing a lot of down-home cooking here. Uh, people are getting away from the high-tech barbecue and, and just enjoying some low-fi, good old American Southern food. So my, my propane grill with the Wi-Fi connection to my iPhone, I should just put that on hold and get out the old Weber kettle and put some coals and chips in it and learn how to just cook it based on temperature and feel. Yeah, I mean, if I can tell you and, and anyone that's listening, you know, it's all about temperature and what temperature the meat goes on. One thing, if you notice, when you go to this thing like Memphis in May, I pick up, as a chef, I pick up on, you know, tricks that everyone's doing, and then I, I make those law, right? If I see more than 10 pit masters doing the same thing, I say, okay, that's something that works. So one thing that I realize, and anyone could do this at home, is, let your meat get down to room temperature before you put it on the grill. Because mm-hmm. what happens is, if you take a piece of meat uh, from the refrigerator and put it on the grill, the difference in temperature is so extreme that, number one, it's like throwing a giant meat ice cube onto your grill, right? The grill goes down into the danger zone where it's not doing anything, and the meat uh, starts to steam itself. And that's the number one way of getting tough meat. So make sure that your meat is room temperature before it goes on the grill, and you're literally 80% there. I, I love the advice. Carl, you know, I, I so appreciate you. Your advice is always spot on. And now that I know that there is a tomahawk steak headed north with my name on it, I will, I'm going to set up a roadblock, literally and stop you in 95 uh, when you come, just before you get to the Pennsylvania border, before you get uh, over into Jersey. But I, I, I so appreciate you, Carl Ruiz. Follow him on Instagram, at Sabor Chef, and j- just check him out. He's one of the good guys. Thank you, my friend. Hey, thank you. And if anyone that listens to your show is in Memphis, come to the Peg Leg booth, uh, Peg Leg from Tennessee, and ask for the Cuban, and I'll feed you myself. Uh, I've, there are people who are actually tweeting at me right now saying, I'm only five hours away. I'm on my way. I could make it by lunch. So the Peg Leg Barbecue booth, ask for ask the pit master to connect you to Carl Ruiz. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Cuban. Have a great day. You got it. Uh, Thank you very much. That guy has so much so much joy in his life, and it's all due to how he, he handles his passion and the food. I could talk to Carl Ruiz all day long. What a good guy. Uh, when we get back, yeah, I do have time to give you a Preakness pick, and we'll take care of that next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
You're listening to Pure Opoka on the Blaze Radio Network. Big show tonight. I'm your host, Jimmy Fallon. You guys, what a show we have for you tonight. Whoa! The next president of the United States, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, is here tonight. Okay, okay, everybody calm down about The Rock. <laughs> oh, what a good way to make some headlines. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Interesting what comes up during the week. The Rock, President Dwayne Johnson. Why not? We have President Trump. We had President Ronald Reagan who came out of movies. And yes, he was governor of California before he became president. I know that. We'll monitor everything going on with Donald Trump's visit to uh, Saudi Arabia today and tomorrow. And then he's in Israel starting on Monday and then off to Italy in the G7 meetings. He'll hang out with the Pope for a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll cover anything and everything that comes out. Right now, there's just a whole lot of, how do you like this? What do you think of that? The palace is cool, right? Yes. I'm still in shock over the fact that the, the waiters at the Saudi royal greeting, the guys who were pouring the coffee, all had pistols. <laughs> all of them had sidearms. Very interesting number. Uh, the Preaknesses today, immediately after this show, I am heading down to the, uh, the park here, the, the horse track in Delaware that also has a paramutual betting site in it. And I am looking at slapping a couple of shekels down. Always Dreaming is still the favorite right now. John Velasquez will be writing Always Dreaming. But I think there's an opportunity for Conquest Mo Money. Conquest Mo Money could get something done. Currently at 15 to 1. So, you know, don't put your money on it unless you're prepared to lose it. But I, I like uh, Gunavera also. And uh, there's still some money out there on Classic Empire. So maybe you play a couple of combos and boxes and maybe you see something. But will we have a Triple Crown winner? They seem to think there's a good chance for Always Dreaming to follow up the Derby win. The Derby win with a, a win today. Of course, Waiting in the Wings is the one and only Jeff Fisher. And I know you guys will treat Jeffy with the respect and love that he deserves as he delivers his program to you. Uh, I would like you to please take time and go to the Twitter today and send me uh, an update on, on how you feel about both the Times Square video that I posted because I'm really not sure about it. And I also would like to get your input on the removal of the Confederate Monuments and statues. Currently, we had a pretty good uh, early voting on this. 70% of you, 77% of you say it's just wrong to take them down. 14% say it's okay, but they need to go into a museum. That's where I am. I think they need to be down, but in a museum, and we point people to it to say, hey, this is important. We can't ever let this happen again. 6% can't decide, and 3% think it's the right thing to do. I don't think it's the right thing to do, but, you know, we can't just... I, I, I think we have to be, be smart about it. We have to, have to be absolutely smart. Did you enter last week's contest for the shirts that I got during the Pope's visit? The clever shirts? Yeah, we'll, we'll tell you who the winner is 
in the Easter egg, that means you have to go to SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music and listen past the end of the show, and there might be some more because there were more shirts discovered in that treasure trove. It's going to be a very interesting week ahead. Join me Monday at noon Eastern on Pure Opelka. We'll cover the president and all the other craziness. Thank you for joining me this morning. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka. With Michael Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading the show. I really appreciate you for doing that. It uh, helps me. It helps everything I'm up to. And uh, we need to continue it. So download the show. Share it with your friends. Meet me here Mondays, noon Eastern to 3 p.m. And then again on Saturdays. And if you can't do it, just keep downloading. Last week, I asked you how many peppers the L.A. Beast consumed in his record-setting Ghost Pepper Munchathon. And at least, at least a dozen of you said, yeah, I got this. But only a handful got it right. Thirteen Ghost Peppers consumed by the Beast. All the right answers in a jar here, printed up. And the winner is, ooh, Tony Isabel. I don't know where you are, Tony. I'll send you an email. Tony Isabel, you're getting two of the shirts from the Pope's visit. I have two more. They're kind of funny, and yet they're also respectful. All you have to do is tell me what kind of steak is the Mad Cuban bringing me from Memphis? What kind of steak is the Mad Cuban bringing me from Memphis? And you'll be in the running. Send your answers to M-O-Pelka at the Blaze. That's M-O-P-E-L-K-A at theblaze.com. M-O-Pelka at theblaze.com. Get it here. And you could be just like Tony Isabel. You're not getting a steak. You're just getting shirts if you're the lucky winner. Have a great week, my friends. Testudo.